3: IPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at YourTechReport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report.
1: Welcome to it. Happy holidays, happy new year, happy everything. Welcome to the first edition of Your Tech Report for 2017. On Twitter, we are at Your Tech Report, slash Your Tech Report. Hopefully, you're following us on YouTube, youtube.com Your Tech Report online. As always, I am Marco Flalo. welcomed by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Mitchell, it's so nice to see your face. We kind of see each other here on Skype, even though I did spend the holidays with you. How are you? Yes, you, you did. I,
2: I miss you already. I need to get back to Los Angeles. This whole cross-country thing isn't working for me anymore, now that I've seen you in person for so long. I, I, I need to ask you something, though. Uh, or just sort of put something out there and see what your reaction is. I I always feel like this little... It, it, it's a little sad after the holidays, don't you admit? We have such... In a short period of time, we have Thanksgiving, we have Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa time, and then we have New Year's right packed into within a few weeks of each other. And then yeah. when it's over, there's this... just. Oh, this. Of course, first of all, you have to recover from it physically and mentally. Yeah, but there's sort of like a disappointment, a little bit of depression afterwards that it's all over. But with CES here now, there's no time to be depressed because it's like Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa all over again. We get to we get to have all these great things to talk about, and now be teased for. Uh, throughout the year So I, I was sad But now I'm excited Like a minute later Because I know I can't be sad We have CES, man We
1: have CES No, and, and normally every year What we do is We spend as much time As we can getting A lot of the interviews And talking to a lot Of the people um, Who are at CES And the big announcements And we're going to be doing that But we're going to be Spreading it out over The next month really Because I don't want to Try and pack everything Into one show I want to really focus in On a couple of the Key companies And, and a couple of the Key products and services And we're going to talk To all these great companies uh, Chamberlain Who make your garage door the openers they are finally home kit compatible um, d link has an incredible range of products um, uh, if you've if you've been following us on YouTube you know we've been doing a couple things one thing is we have we have these ongoing giveaways if you click to youtube.com slash your Tech report online right now we've got one ongoing right now we've got more giveaways coming down the pipe but you may have noticed that earlier this week I posted a video about a brand new product from linksys oh yeah they had sent this to me I had a media briefing a couple months ago okay and they sent me the product a couple weeks ago So I had. But
2: by the way, you wouldn't even tell me about it. Just so our audience knows, you wouldn't even share it with me until it was time. No, just
1: yeah. And and here's the thing: so Linksys is known since their infancy for incredible networking products. Whether you're a hardcore gamer, they've got solutions for you, and they've got a great new gaming router out there. Um, Or if you're into just regular home networking. This one product that they sent me is called Velop, V-E-L-O-P, and when they demoed this to me, I said, okay, this is obviously a no-brainer. This is their first entry into what they're calling, and what everybody's calling the new buzzword is, mesh networking. So what Velop is, this is really cool, it's three independent wireless AC routers. They're on their own, they stand... They stand tall. They're beautiful. They're designed to be showcased and really be put front and center, whether it be in a bedroom, in a kitchen, in a basement, no matter what you want. But depending on the placement in your home and how many you have, they create this mesh network that ensures that you're getting the most bandwidth 100% of the time and 100% of your speed throughout your entire home, which is obviously combating the biggest problem people have, which is dead spots.
2: And you know what, Mark? People hear something like Mesh, and they're not exactly sure, and what people have been doing up until now is using range extenders, and the problem with range extenders, if you don't mind me jumping in and just sort of clarifying for our listeners, that may not be, you know, uh, savvy when it comes to this stuff. What range extenders do, obviously, they take your signal from your existing wireless router and they extend it to further spots. Like you said, dead spots in your home. The problem is, a lot of people take these range extenders, and they put it at the very edge of where they get a strong signal to continue it into other parts of their home, and Basically, what you're doing is you're extending a poor signal because people have to sort of they have to take it to the very fringe, the very edge of their network, and they're not really getting a good connection there. But these these mesh networks work differently. They create a stronger signal that really, like you said, it covers your entire home, not just stretching the poor signal, but taking your strongest signal possible and extending that signal to everywhere in your home. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. And Velop really brings the best of all these worlds together. We're talking about things like seamless roaming. One network name. Um, it's tied into Amazon Alexa. So if you have a guest that comes over and they say, how do I connect to the Wi-Fi? It'll tell them the Wi-Fi information. Um, cross-channel solution. It finds the best channel on your network. It does a lot of the the hard kind of advanced networking things that you might want to do in a network if you're if you're right. not necessarily up to that level. does that for you. Um, on board, a quad-core CPU, lots of storage and memory, and it's a tri band router, so what that means is that it's got one 2.4 gigahertz band and two 5 gigahertz bands. Now, I'm sure you've seen networks where you, you've got this 2.4 and this 5. You're like, which one do I hop onto? Well, this one will prioritize your traffic based on what you need, but it has that extra band, that third band, that is dedicated to just getting data back and forth throughout your network. So it's not clogging up the airways with everything it that's doing smart. while trying to do everything for you. So right. that's the uh, brand new product from Linksys. We're I, I have installed it. It's in my home. I haven't been home for a couple weeks, so I really haven't put it to the test speed wise. But if you go to our YouTube channel you will see our first hands on with Velop, I give you a, a very, very cool, concise, you know, detailed view of what it is and uh, and how you can take advantage of it.
2: And, and of course we would love sending people to YouTube so I'm gonna let people look at all the, get get all the details from that video at uh, youtube.com forward slash your tech report, correct?
1: YouTube.com forward slash your tech report online. But I mean, you'll feel fine. If you go to our website, yourtechreport.com, if you follow us on Twitter, you're going to find it as well.
2: And one of the things that one of the last things I wanted to mention about Velop, which we're talking about right now from Linksys, is and we've talked about this with a lot of products, Mark. Sometimes a product can be wonderful, but if the user experience isn't there, if the user interface, the ability to set it up, especially when it comes to a router, which can be intimidating for a lot of people. But I'll give people a little, you know, a little spoiler alert here in the video, Mark shows you a little clip of how easy it is to set up this whole mesh network just using your smartphone. The app helps you set up everything, so it's brilliantly easy. And in in addition to be technically, technologically advanced, technically, uh, it is incredibly easy to set up, which for consumers is kind of a big deal these days, right?
1: So we've got a really cool show lined up for you this week, okay? We're going to obviously dive into way more CES stuff. I think really this year at CES, I think we might have said it last year, but I think this year really the smart home took the cake. I mean, we're talking about Brand new accessories for HomeKit. Brand new accessories tied into Amazon Echo. Every AI assistant you could possibly think of. Everything is becoming connected more and more so. And that's my takeaway from CES. But We've got a lot of CES coverage coming up. On, not only on this week's show, not only on the website, and not only on YouTube. But we're going to be covering this for the next couple of weeks and talking to some very cool companies. On this week's show, a very cool company called One Bag Tag. They're aiming to get rid of the need for airlines to give you bag tags. You're going to have a a permanent bag tag that does way more than just track your luggage and actually replace that. We're going to talk to their founder on this week's edition of Your Tech Report, plus a company that you may have seen walking through the aisles of perhaps Best Buy, UMA they've been pioneering voice over IP for a long time, and they're getting into a whole slew of new smart and connected services. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to remind uh. you to follow us on Twitter. It's at Your Tech Report, facebook.com slash yourtechreport, and we're going to, of course, YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash yourtechreport online. We're going to come back, talk more about some of the cool CES announcements, new processors from Intel, very cool laptops. I mean, I like a gaming laptop from Razer with three monitors built in.
2: It's crazy, isn't it? It is nuts.
1: <laughs> uh, so complete coverage of CES right here on Your Tech Report. When we come back, we're going to dive into that. And of course, those two interviews coming up this week as well.
3: There's more Your Tech Report after this.
1: Now, back to Your
3: Tech Report.
1: Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Covering all things CES, follow along with us on Twitter. It is at your tech slash your YouTube.com slash your tech report online. Very cool stuff there, including our giveaways, our exclusive with Lynx's Velop. Lots of cool products. Uh, we we go hands knee deep Mitchell into the new MacBook Pro <laughs> with Touch Bar, which we will get into for sure because um, because I, it's
2: a because it's a personal subject for me and for you, for well, both of us.
1: Definitely, it's something that yeah. uh, I'm getting a little frustrated with. So we'll we'll oh. get into that for sure. Um, but but lots of lots of things in CES, you know, as I kind of alluded to before we took that quick break. Um, I, I think this year really the smart home really took the cake. Everything smart home and AI and how that really meshes together. I mean, everything is connecting to everything, whether it be connecting you to your devices like your toaster and your coffee maker, or it's connecting you and those, you know, Alexa and Google Home and Apple's HomeKit directly to those devices. Lots of cool things, and and one of the ones that really caught me off guard, which was a connected shower by the company Moen, and, uh, and... Go ahead, Mitchell. I mean, this is no, no, You, you I, think in your head, you're like, what? Connected shower, but, but there's, there's. It practical sounds ridiculous.
2: Purpose there. I was going to say, for a lot of people, it's going to sound, oh, this is too much. This is too much. But when you think about it, what wouldn't be better if you had more control over it? I'm not talking about relationships, folks. That's a whole other show for a different doctor, but and when you think about it and I don't even know how this Moen shower works we haven't talked about it yet but imagine I'm imagining in my head now I'm imagining the possibilities that you could preset your shower for a certain temperature that because sometimes you know getting the temperature just right you feel like a mixologist you feel like you feel like a chemist trying to get okay if I turn the, the what did I do last time when the shower is perfect two degrees on the hot side one degree on the, and, and it, it imagine you could do that all digitally have it set up for certain parameters certain time frame that's brilliant and that's I have to give you credit mark again Again, I have to give you kudos. I've done this before on the show, but you were on top of this at least two years ago when you said over the next few years, the biggest innovations we are going to see in the tech world, were are going to come from the software side. And we're now seeing that connected home, everything that we're talk, talking about, it all comes down to artificial intelligence, AI, whether it's the assistant on your new Google phone or your Siri on your new, you know, iPhone or iPad device, uh, whether it's your car connecting and playing friendly with your phone through Sync 3, which we're also going to talk about another show. The brilliant Sync 3 that Ford has done on their new vehicles, which we both had time with, it all comes down to software because we're going to hit a point where products, yeah, they're going to get faster, better battery life, but it's all about how they interact with each other. And like you said, CES this year is showing that what you predicted, the future you predicted two years ago is definitely coming true.
1: So you're wondering, well, you know, what is a connected faucet or a connected shower head going to do to you? Well, yes. Well, what gonna they've do? done is they've connected this valve system. Really, it's a connected valve system that can connect to various different heads. And and whether you have a, you know two valves or, or th- four valves, depending on the number of faucets and, and things you have in your shower, you can connect various devices. But imagine things like this. Imagine you, you wake up in the morning and you can start your shower from your phone or you can start your f- your shower from Amazon Alexa. You can say, hey, I'm, I'm Alexa, turn on Mark's shower, and it's going to automatically know what temperature I like my shower on. It's going to automatically know, you know, what kind of pressure I like on my shower because it can control these features. Uh, Plus, it can actually store up to 12 different customization features. So whether it's you want to sleep in a little bit longer and you want to get the water just right before you walk into it, whether you want to shut it off and have a timer for people who maybe use too much water, there are a lot of use cases where a shower that is smarter may help your life. And this is one company taking that to a next level by integrating the two of all, you know, the best of all these worlds into one product
2: and I'm thinking I'm hoping they have sensors for these things because living in Southern California we've been in a state of drought for at least the last decade and I'm thinking well that's going to waste a lot of water but maybe they have a sensor set up so that it sets the temperature backs off the water a little bit and then when you step in it knows you're in there it can actually put the full force of the shower on I'm thinking ahead I'm thinking ecologically as well as technologically but I mean that's exactly the kind of stuff I was talking about what could not be made better by having a connected service to it and you know we they laughed at a connected appliance. Mark, <clears throat> excuse me, connected refrigerators, dishwashers, but these devices can all be made better by having a connection to an app, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, one of these, you know, one of the things we mentioned was HomeKit. You know, Apple has been pioneering and innovating HomeKit as their connected home platform. Lots of different companies have their own different devices. And what we've seen at CES this year is that a lot of different companies are embracing a lot of different platforms. They're working them all into their solutions. So if you look at a company like iDevices that have had HomeKit compatible devices before, they right. inter- introduced a brand new light switch. This actually re- replaces your light switch so that you can turn your lights into a smart connected light switch. Companies like Lutron and Levitron have been doing this for a while, but now they're making it a real seamless experience where you don't need a hub or anything. You literally just replace that wall switch and you can connect it to your phone and create scenes throughout your home. That's one company, for example, in iDevices. Um, uh, D-Link is one of the first companies that we have seen who have now announced a brand new 180 degree beautiful HomeKit connected security camera. Now, D-Link has been doing their beautiful, you know, My D-Link connected cameras for quite some time, but this is the first time that we're seeing something connect to Apple's HomeKit environment, which means you'll be able to see images on your watch, which means that you can trigger things. So, for example, when your door opens, you can take a snapshot of who's coming into that door. Plus, Ah, with that whole 180 degree camera, you're getting a beautiful, beautiful image in full HD, which is really, really neat, and it's a first from really any company to have a camera that has HomeKit combato quality
2: well I mean you you turned me on to all this stuff and since we always joke about you being my guinea pig when it comes to a lot of these products and trying them out if they work then of course I adopt them but this is something you got me in on when it when it comes to uh, just the connected home and I was one of I was that person that we talk about on the earth saying well if you've been afraid to jump in because of ABC and a lot of it is the barrier to entry is set up. but they're making these products so easy to set up everything right now and I'm, I'm sure everything we have mentioned so far has the ability to be not only controlled but set up through your mobile device. Gone are the days of going through a separate IP on your computer to connect with a hub directly to control all these features. So anyone that's listening now that has this sort of resistance or saying, yeah, I'll wait until it gets to here... I gotta tell you, folks, we are already past here. We are at the point now, we're getting in, the barriers to entry have become so few, I mean, there's no reason not to jump on board, of course, for some of these products, a lot of these connected products get a little more expensive, and I'm not talking about the cameras like you were just talking about from D-Link, I'm talking about appliances or big ticket items, but still, when you're getting new anything, why not get them connected? There's really no downside to it anymore.
1: Well, GE has announced a whole slew of new appliances as well, I mean, they have a new oven that works with your Nest smoke detector, and other smoke detectors. So if it's detecting some kind of smoke, it can actually turn off your oven or your stove top. That. So there's a, there's a lot of safety involved here. Uh, another company that kind of dove into the HomeKit enabled devices with a smart wall switch um, is Incipio. And they have a new wall switch that is not necessarily uh, meant to connect an actual light for per se, but it can control any device you choose. So whether it be a speaker or whether it be another smart device throughout your home, you can now have a wall switch that say, okay, I want this button to to light up this scene, which could do multiple things. It could it could open shades, it could close shades, turn off your TV, etc., etc. So it's really meant as a shortcut device. And in tandem with that, they have a power strip, an actual power bar with four outlets that is home connected as well. So you can individually turn devices on and off with that power strip.
2: Well, now, uh, along the same lines, and this sort of goes along exactly with what we're talking about is, and this is other news from CES, we're seeing now that Amazon is basically licensing out Alexa's technology so that other companies can not only make Alexa-powered speakers, you know, of course, Amazon makes their own branded Echo speakers that use the the Alexa digital assistant that they created, but now they're licensing out Alexa tech to other companies so they can not only make other speakers that use Alexa, but also use the IPs for other products products to connect using Alexa through all your devices. So one of the things that, we, that we're that we both sort of on board now is the Amazon Echo ecosystem. That's a, that's a mouthful, right? We both have the, the Echo speakers. We both have the Echo dots in our home. And at CES, we're hearing a lot of products are getting on board through Alexa control. It used to be it was only through Siri, only through HomeKit. But I think they have enough penetration now, Amazon does in the market, in terms of smart home, the smart speaker, the smart assistant. Alexa is getting a lot of traction now at CES.
1: Well, Lenovo, they announced a speaker that really just runs exactly like the Amazon Echo, and yep. LG announced a smart fridge powered by Amazon's Alexa AI <laughs> system. So, a lot of really cool products on, on that side as well. Um, you know, One of the other big announcements that happened at CES, and this is something that we knew was coming, we weren't sure when, was by Intel. Intel powers a lot of our devices, and they introduced their brand new processor, their KB Lake processor, and the big news here is that they finally unveiled their mobile version of it. This until now wasn't actually released, it was just kind of a rumor. We knew it was coming. We didn't know what it was going to do. And what it really does, it has a lot of onboard processing that enables 4K viewing. Um, it enables incredible mobile battery saving features, uh, incredible mobile processing. So we're expecting these processors to make the next wave of our computing devices, and it's already happening. Uh, Alienware has already announced that they're integrating all their new computers with these brand new chips. Um, Razer has a brand new gaming laptop that's going to be powered off these brand new chips. with three monitors built in.
2: I saw that's incredible. So it's incredible.
1: When a company like Intel releases a brand new chip like this, this is pretty big for the marketplace because it's not just, okay, hey, we have a new product. They're introducing something that is going to be in every single product that we're going to see down the road. And I'm excited to see those things pop up in, in new iMacs, in new MacBooks, and new Surfaces, in new lots of new computers.
2: Well, you mentioned, of course, the Mac lineup, which has been a bone of contention not between us, but for both of us in terms of our uh, disappointment in the release cycles. But speaking of release cycles, how is this going to affect, Mark, uh, the MacBook Pro specifically? I know we're going to have a chat about the MacBook Pro later in the show, but we're talking right now about KB Lake. Uh, These processors, of course, just announced and coming out now. We're not talking about something that's announced that's going to be coming out at the end of the year. Processors are already being shipped and put in computers as we speak. The MacBook Pro is released how long ago two and a half months ago
1: we're looking at we're, two months we're, ago? We're about three months ago about three months ago it was announced um, right. we haven't seen them actually getting into people's hands for the past uh, I, w- I would say I would say two months we've seen them in hands we've seen first hands-on reviews I only got mine about you know three weeks ago I've been using mine for three weeks and it's funny because I did the unboxing that we have on youtube.com slash online and at that point it was really it was an unboxing I just set up the computer but there's a lot of things about that device that kind of irked me before I even purchased it number one was the fact that it didn't have those new processors in there, you know, we're right. already starting, and we're getting out of the gate with, a, with an older generation processor, which is fine because it's a powerful processor, but a lot, a lot of limitations there and a lot of changes to get used to that were kind of bothering me.
2: Okay, so how, here's, the, here's the main question. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to jump in because uh, how long, and this is once again, and this is something you put on your thinking cap with this one how long does Apple have to wait? To integrate the new lineup, the new Intel KB Lake processor lineup into their ecosystem, especially as it it relates to the MacBook Pro, how long does Apple have to wait before they don't have to worry about ticking off the early adopters that say, hey, wait a minute, I just bought my MacBook Pro and I just got it a month ago, now you're putting KB Lake in there, I'm screwed. So how long do you think realistically Apple can wait or has to wait before they risk ticking off the early adopters that have only had their computers for a few months? Yeah. It's a good question because, I mean, listen, they, they want to be on the cutting edge, but they, we've, they've shown before, they let other people take these leaps and they will do it in their own time. But people are wanting these processors now. So how long do they wait?
1: I, I think realistically they have to wait another three 3 to six months Gotcha, okay. Um, so that they don't piss people off. But I th- also think right. that a lot of the early adopters, people who bought it right out of the gate, and I don't think there were a lot of those, um, I think those are people that were kind of gadget hungry, people like me who who just wanted something new, um, hoped that it would be something new and something innovative that the processor wouldn't hinder me about. Um, I, I don't necessarily, I think the people who are really hardcore people who need that power are probably still waiting, still waiting to see when those processes are going to be instituted, when and, and how the changes affect things. I mean, there's a big change of that USB Type-C connector. You need lots of dongles and lots of different things to interconnect. There's a lot of things right. to consider. You know, if you look at the other other lineup, I mean, I know the quandary that you're in. You have a you have a Mac Mini that you've been using, and it's a maxed out Mac Mini. You've been waiting for that sweet spot computer to come in that hasn't in the iMac. So you're wondering now, you know, do I get a MacBook and use an external monitor and use a hub? Right. You know, there's a lot of of questions there. And I'm going to do my full hands-on review. And I'm going to tell you right now, as of where it stands today, when we're we're recording this show, um, my hands-on is not going to be a very positive one with this device for for many reasons. And one of which is the palm rejection on that trackpad, which I know can be fixed with software, I think. Um, But I've run into a lot of problems that have made me question whether or not I can use this device reliably for what I need to do and I'm in the broadcast world I need to go out and record shows I need to be able to play back things reliably and if graphics are going to cause my computer to freeze or keys are going to get stuck and some of the things that I'm dealing with and this is something I'm dealing with not necessarily everybody that's out there I don't know if I can put my trust behind that machine
2: and, and here's another thing to think of, Mark. And I think your, your eyes are going to light up when I say this. We, we we've always known. We've always known that you pay a premium for Apple products, right? We have rarely heard people complain about it on mass because it's always been well, you're getting a great product in return. So as long as you're happy, it's like my mom always said: if you if you love what you bought, then you didn't overpay. You could you could spend a million dollars, and if you think you got a great value, you feel oh, I I didn't overspend on this. Then again, you can spend two dollars, and if the product sucks, you feel like you got ripped off, right? So it's always a measure of what you're getting in return. We're hearing a lot of people now complaining about how Apple is overpriced. Apple has always been overpriced. That's always been Apple's thing. They're an exclusive computer maker. They make exclusive, beautiful devices, but I think we're hearing complaints for the first time about the price because people aren't feeling they're getting a commensurate great product in return for that money. We're hearing that with the MacBook Pro. It's too expensive, too expensive. Why? People are upset about the USB-C only, the only ports. They're they're, they're upset about not having the new processors in there. They're, They're upset set that a mat that it's something called a pro product it has pro in the name only has a max of 16 16 what gigabytes of ram yeah i mean so uh, so i mean these are all these things that we're hearing now and i think we're hearing about the price because people are not in love with the product and this is this is the first time we've heard this many complaints about a new computer from apple may be in forever so it's kind of a big deal
1: We are talking CES 2017. Lots of cool announcements. Obviously, Intel's KB Lake processors kind of led us into that conversation about the MacBook. Wondering when we're going to see those processors enter that lineup, of course. But you know, it is going to make its way, and already on on Alienware computers, which we know we're going to talk to. I think Ray Watkins in the coming weeks talk about all their new products. Um, You know, but you you lead me into an interesting place because. Right before CES was the introduction of this new MacBook, and really the first time we've seen any commercial product en masse come out with this USB Type-C connector for various things. And one of the things that I know that you've been shopping around for is monitors. And monitors, I mean, displays in general, whether it be televisions or monitors, really were... Another one of those big kind of tentpoles of CES this year because we had Dell release an incredibly, I mean, incredibly priced, an incredible monitor, but <laughs> a 8 a, a k $5,000 behemoth. Um, Obviously, with a built-in hub and USB Type-C connectors, but Dell also released some really, really cool 4K monitors, UHD monitors. We saw some very cool things from Sharp, uh, from Sony, uh, from Samsung. Samsung got some very, very cool monitors and display technology uh, on display at CES. But, I mean, there's a lot for you to shop for now if you're looking for a monitor from every single price point.
2: Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, I think that you know Apple. Apple is a trendsetter. We've been talking about them for a while now on this particular episode, but uh, Apple's been a trendsetter. They they put out products, and the, the industry sort of follows suit. Unfortunately, something that Apple what did away with years ago was the twenty four inch form factor. I thought the twenty four inch iMac was the sweet spot in terms of IMAX, right? They got rid of it. They said 21.5 and 27 inch are the way to go. Unfortunately, there's been a trickle down effect in the in the industry mark, where I think that companies, even companies like Dell and LG are still, even with all their new stuff coming out, they skip skip the 24, which for me on my desktop is the perfect size. Now, granted bigger is better when it comes to monitors and apparently a lot of other things too, Um, but a 27-inch monitor, as much as I love it in my particular workspace a 24, even two 24s work better for me than a 27-inch monitor. I know that sounds crazy, so it kills me that the 24-inch form factor is being ignored, especially when it comes to 4K and IPS panels.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you, Mitchell, because the new sure. 27-inch monitors. I mean, we're seeing HDR and a lot of things pop onto these monitors. Uh, the new 27-inch monitors having the bezel-less design, I think, will fit quite nicely onto your four-factor into your desk and replace the 24-inch nicely, and not necessarily take up the space that an older 24-inch might have taken before. So maybe you need to start looking at a 27-inch, perhaps a 30-inch, beautiful 4K UHD monitor. <laughs>
2: What are you saying? Is this is this going to be an early an early birthday gift for me? Because I I could see something like that working if I'm able to fit it in there. Did
1: I offer anything here? No, I didn't. Uh, it you know, is I'm putting t- it out there. If you don't put it out there, Mark,
2: you don't get anything. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. It is your Tech Report. Mark of <laughs> and Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter. It is at your Tech Report. Check out our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Your Tech Report. Take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk to a very cool company. We teased off the top of the show, and that company is One Bag Tag. This is a very cool product, and you're going to want to hear about it. Stick around.
3: There's more. Your Tech Report after this.
1: Now, back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Marco Flalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. Lots of cool stuff that we profile. Uh, Cool giveaways. YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. Mitchell, CES, we're going to be talking about this for the next several weeks, I think, to come. But there's one company in particular that we're going to talk about right now, and that company is UMA.
2: Uh, yeah, no. This is something. This is something that I was kind of excited about once we discussed it because we we are in a time right now where so many people I think are going to move to their cell phone as their primary phone. Am I correct? A lot of people are saying, "Oh, just call my cell." I don't even keep my home number anymore. But keeping your home number is not only incredibly easy now uh, with services like UMA, but it, it becomes even more important when you hear about the new services that UMA is offering. Am I right?
1: Oh, listen, definitely. And, let, and let's let's bring on. Um, PR Director of UMA, Brian Jaquit. Welcome to your tech report. It's so nice to have you on.
4: Thanks for having us, guys.
1: You know, this is like the last couple of days of CES. You must be absolutely exhausted, so I appreciate you taking the, <laughs> the time to be here. But can you, can you share with our listeners, because I don't think UMA is necessarily a, a big brand name that people necessarily know about, which is why we obviously want to talk to you now, because we want to introduce a lot of our listeners to what UMA has been doing before we kind of go into what you are going to be doing with the CES announcements.
4: Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. And, and you know, UMA has been around for, oh, geez, almost 10 years now, I think. Um, and it's a, it started out as basically a um, replacement for your home phone. It's a VoIP service, uses the Internet to deliver crystal clear nationwide calling. Um, and it was a box that you bought, and you installed it in your home, and connected it to your Internet connection, and then you could port your existing landline phone number over to it if you wanted to or you could create a new phone number and over the years we've dramatically reduced the cost of that box it's only uh, 99 dollars us now i believe 129 canadian um so it's you know it's 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 to a price point where it's very very easy and i think that coming to your point earlier you're talking about you know landline versus cell phone it's one of those things now where I, i don't know that customers don't necessarily they don't want to have a landline. They just don't want to pay for a landline when they're paying yeah. 30 40 even sometimes $50 a month. And having a solution like UMA, which we'll talk about this, that wraps around a lot of smart home technologies and also is just a smarter home phone to begin with, um, starts to make a lot of sense. And you might not buy it necessarily for the phone, but because that phone is in your living room and because that, that hub is, is there – there's a lot of really cool stuff that we can do that that brings safety, security, and peace of mind to the consumer.
1: It's funny, Brian, because there's this ancient stigma kind of around having that home landline. You know, uh, until yeah. recently, you weren't able to get an alarm system that obviously didn't work with a quote unquote landline. Older generations <laughs> feel like my mother-in-law says, "Oh, if I'm going to babysit, I want to make sure there's a landline there." So I have a VoIP solution in my home that you know is basically, you know, as you said, it, it lowers the cost, et cetera, et cetera, just like Uma does. Now you come to see. Yes in 2017 and as Mitchell and I were talking about earlier in the show you know it, it seems to us that the focus of this year's show really is about connecting everything and really making that smart home smarter and connecting with everything so you have a slew of announcements that really tie around the fact that uma's in the home and that you have this network already established with a household so tell us about some of these cool products
4: in the last couple of years actually we have um, introduced integrations with other smart home Products and services. A couple of years ago, we integrated with Nest uh, the thermostat and uh, Nest Protect. And last year at this time, we integrated with Amazon Alexa or Echo, uh, was via Alexa to uh, which is everywhere at this show. By the way, it is uh, it's it's kind of taken over um, uh, CES. I would say um, uh, with with the uh, the Echo ecosystem, if you will. But you know, we use uh, we use Alexa to make uh, hands free calling mean this type of feature but it's cool you can say Alexa call home and then your phone will ring and it connects you to that home number um, the other you know smart home products and services like uh, the Nest and also like Lifex which is a smart light bulb are more about you know uh, safety and security you can be notified uh, if you get a, a, an alarm detection for smoke or carbon monoxide and then be directed to call 911 So we had all these integrations with third-party products and services, and we'll continue to do that. That that is an important part of the ecosystem. But we also felt like, hey, you know what, there's there's an opportunity here for an UMA-branded product and service that provides some real value for consumers at a very, very low price. And that's what uh, we're introducing, which is UMA Home Monitoring.
2: Now, this is really important, uh, Brian. This is Mitchell. And you touched on something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize when they think about a smart home or home automation. Most people think on the more practical side of, okay, I can turn on my oven. We talked about a a new shower, connected shower head that Moen was bringing out. So everyone knows about the connected parts of our home that we can control. But you mentioned something, and this is stuff that Uma does, which really intrigued me when I was reading about it. Stuff like water sensors. If there's a problem with your pipes at home, Uma can tell you this door is in windows motion so we're talking about not just safety for uh your home being protected from the out- from outsiders coming in but also being protected from itself when things go wrong in your house as things always do and this is something i haven't seen before
4: yeah and we're i think we're coming at it at a, at a pretty unique angle too um, because we have a communications hub in the home and that's where i get back to this whole thing about having a landline Hey, you might not use it as much, but it's a central communications hub that actually can be really beneficial to you. And, and here's what I mean. Um, home monitoring consists of uh, you know, a service wrapped around uh, three sensors at launch. Water sensor, as you discussed, uh, door window, and motion. So let's, let's just give you an example. And these, and these things actually are... <clears throat> Really easy to install. They're between twenty-five and thirty-five dollars each. Uh, they install wirelessly to your UMA handset or UMA hub. Um, the same way that actually you can can uh, configure your your handset to your hub. Um, just a couple seconds, and it like it finds itself. It's uh, it's connected via DECT, uh and it's, there's a level of security around that, which is actually really really important because we talked we've heard a lot about security vulnerabilities with smart home products and services. And once in place. I'm in Las Vegas. My house is in California. Uh, let's say I get a notification that the door has been opened or the or the window has been opened. I get a notification on my phone. I can get a text notification. I can get a notification you know, via the, the iOS notifications or, or Android notifications, or I can even get a call. Um, once I see that, I open up the app, and maybe then I see another notification that uh, motion is detected. Okay, well, something's not right here. Um, if I dial 911 for my cell phone here in Las Vegas, I'm going to get the 911 dispatcher, which does me no good because 911 doesn't transfer your call to your local dispatcher yeah. person. That's right. Um, <laughs> but we have a little button, it's actually not it's actually a very big button in the app <laughs> that says call 911. And so when you hit that, it asks you, "Hey, do you want to place a 911 call from this address?" and it lists the address of your Uma device. And if you say yes, then we make a call using our cloud infrastructure and technology to that local 911 infrastructure or 911 dispatcher through your mm-hmm. cell phone and in, in seconds you're talking to your local 911 dispatcher and you can say hey I think there's a problem in my house can you send emergency you know vehicle uh, a police officer to go check it out you know immediately now this is a DIY you know solution not only for installation but also self monitoring too it's not a third party solution and there's benefits, I think, and there's, you know, also there's some challenges, right? The benefit, though, is that, that you're basically in total control. You're, just, you're talking directly with those personnel. You can make the decision to call 911. Um, the third party would be like, you know, hey, we sensed something wrong, calls you. You call them back or maybe you talk to them. And then they say, do you want us to call emergency personnel? And they can do, that, and that's great. But it it kind of goes back and forth there. Yeah. Whereas in our solution, with a touch of a button, you're talking to someone immediately.
1: You know, listen. My 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 mother in law was uh, staying with my kids a couple weeks ago. We were just downtown. We were getting a night away from the kids for a couple. You know, obviously, just for whatever reasons. Uh, and um <laughs> and she didn't know how to disarm the alarm. Uh, and we have a centrally monitored alarm, and next thing I know, firemen are walking through my house and the police are over. <laughs> had I had the ability to get a notification and been able to check it myself, um, right. then you're, you're illustrating a perfect example where Uma would have saved me, uh, A, the cost of having that false alarm happen, and B, the yeah. headache of having the police come over and um, you know everybody distracted at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I definitely see the use case here.
4: We're starting out with three different types of sensors, and obviously the moisture, you're not going to call 911 for... Uh, but you could call a neighbor and be like, hey, look, I, I you know, and, 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 you know, we didn't talk about this as well. I mean, it, you know, what's what's really valuable about this also is that I could be out of the country, right? I could be in another country um, and I can use basically as long as I have Wi-Fi, I can still use the app to be communicated via our UMA app directly to the 911 dispatcher. Um, so there's a real value there if you're traveling internationally or you're on holiday or what have you. Um, I, you know, I think that that, You know, we we also do a number of little things that aren't even related to home monitoring around the UMA phone. You know, you made a good example about your your mother-in-law. You can, you know, you can be alerted via text if 911 is dialed from an UMA phone. So if you have a loved one that has UMA and 911 is dialed, you can be alerted. Now, you know, uh, what are you going to do? Well, if you live across town, maybe you could go over there or you could obviously call and say, hey, I just saw that. 911 was called, you know, is everything okay? You know, there's just little things like that. I think that as we wrap this around, all the things that we're announcing, as we kind of bring this all to a head, there's a a ton of value we can give to the consumer because of the communications (laughs) aspects and the VoIP aspect of of our solution.
2: You know, Brian. One of the things I wanted to ask, because you mentioned, of course, how the price of the UMA box itself has come down to around ninety nine dollars, is there a yep. monthly just for our listeners that that should and be checking out the service and learning everything about it? Is there a monthly fee associated uh, with the UMA service, and in addition for the monitorings that we're, the monitoring that we're talking about right now as well?
4: UMA does charge a monthly, but it's just taxes and fees, and depending on where you live, and you can put in your zip code in, into our website, UMA um, to ch- to find out. You'll pay between four and seven dollars a month. I pay four dollars a month living in California wow. in Lafayette. Um, if I put in my old address from San Francisco for some reason, I pay seven. You know, San Francisco maybe is just taking some more money. Um, I'm not really sure how that works, <laughs> but it's four to seven dollars a month um, for the basic Uma service. Now we have a we have a tier of service um, for our phone service called Premier, which is nine ninety nine a month. Premier offers um, well for U.S. Uh, citizens uh, and, and Canadians. Premier offers unlimited calling to the U.S. and Canada and Mexico. Uh, so if you, you sign up for Premier, you can call those three countries all you want. Um, it also offers a whole slew of other features, instant second line, um, a call blocking uh, feature that is actually very, very popular that allows you you know a, a tremendous amount of, of, of ability to, to call block, Um, The reason i bring up Premier is that if you are a Premier subscriber, you don't pay a monthly fee for UMA Home Monitoring. It is built into the Premier uh, subscription fee of $9.99 a month. If you are not a Premier subscriber and if you just are a basic UMA customer who's paying taxes and fees on a monthly basis, you will pay $5.99 a month for the UMA Home Monitoring service. Uh, if you, and again, I, I apologize. There's so many different levels here. If you only have one sensor for some reason, I don't think most customers will. But if you only right. sign up and buy one sensor, uh, there's no monthly fee. Most customers will have you know at least two sensors, I would imagine, in the home. And therefore, it's a five dollars and ninety nine cents a month fee. Uh, but if you only had one, then there's no fee.
2: Uh, Brian, I, I wish that you could see Mark and I right now because you know because we record on two coasts, we're also Skyping so we can see each other, and we're both clamoring to no, I want to say something, no, I want to say that's that's the sign of a great interview by the way and a great product when you have both hosts clamoring to talk to you. I just want to put it in perspective really quickly for our listeners that don't have you know a context for this kind of pricing to give you an right. idea. I thought I was getting a great deal with my voice over IP that's through my internet and my telephone, and I was paying like thirty bucks a month for the phone service throughout North America, and Mexico, and then for my home monitoring system, another $30, bringing it up to what I thought was a good value of $60 a month. But now I'm ashamed of myself because all the services you're talking about, I could be saving $50 a month, it's crazy. But hang on,
1: Brian, to, to that point, okay? So I'm paying about $10 a month through my mobile carrier for a service they call Home Phone, which is basically another cell phone receiver in my home that plugs into my line. But when I look at the list of UMA services, and I know I'm kind of going back to just the basic services at this point, I mean, for that premier service... You're talking about uh, voicemail monitoring, um, send to voicemail feature, caller name, private voicemail, call blocking, call forwarding, do not disturb, multi-ring, private extension, so you can give your kids different phone numbers in your home and have it ring on different devices. There's a discovery phase, and you know I normally don't admit this to people, but I did not know that all of these existed in that premier tier of services. So add on all these other home monitoring features to it. I'm 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 going to Best Buy on my way home.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I- we, there's a lot of value in there, and no doubt about it. We, my, my marketing uh, head said, you know, hey, our premier service is like Amazon Prime, Light. I'm like, I was like, I, I, okay, I get where we are going with that. Don't don't say that though. I don't think that works. But but it is true that we are trying yeah. to pack, you know, a lot of value into premier. And we, you know, look. From a, it's good for us, it's good business for us to have our customers sign on for the Premier uh, membership. And if we can basically make it worth their while, even more so now than we already have been with home monitoring, I think it's worth it for us. Um, I think I said this earlier, the, the the sensors themselves range in price from $25 to $35, depending on which one it is. Um, the Motion is the most expensive one. The water sensor, I believe, is the least expensive one. Or maybe the the window door, I think it's 25 the motion is thirty-five, and the uh, water is is thirty dollars. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that that again, you know, we go back to this, right? It is a this is a DIY solution, not only for installation, but it also it is self monitoring. So it's a little bit different. You know, we're not we're not saying, hey, this is a fully fledged, you know, twenty four seven party monitoring solution. But I also think that that there's a is a huge slew of customers that are looking for something like this. Yeah that maybe live in an apartment or in, and want security. Or, you know, someone just told me today, like, college students, right? Maybe they want a little level of security on, you know, on the rental property they're staying in, in at, at college. Um, you know, people that maybe are moving from place to place that, that don't want to continue. You know, UMA's great for that because you just plug it into the Internet and it doesn't, you know, your, your phone number stays the same and you're up and running in, in a matter of seconds. Your most important pipe coming into the house of wherever you live is the Internet connection. And that's, that's still true.
1: No, that's absolutely true. o o m a O-O-M-A.com for the home monitoring solution, the basic service, the premier service. We're going to spend a bit more time on this, Brian. We're going to we're gonna get our hands on and we're going to spend more time with obviously the home monitoring solution, but I think we're going to have to dive into that whole premier service as well, just as a user basis and do a kind of a review of it because it's something yeah. that I think our listeners really need to pay attention to because this is a solution that's been around as you said for 10 years and just the, the wealth of features available at that price point, whether it's just the basic service, which Mitchell, by the way, it's four bucks for your your house for the basic service, and uh, obviously the, the premier service in nine nine nine. It's going to be an absolutely uh, great buy. Brian, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your time.
4: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Great talking to you.
3: There's more your tech report after this.
1: Now. Back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. I am Marka Aflalo in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. And Mitchell, we're going to take this to a, to a new direction. We're going to travel uh, to New York City to talk to our next interviewee, uh, who is uh, the CEO of a very cool company called Regal Wings. Eli Ostreicher, welcome to your tech report. And before we get into, obviously, anything, you know, I was obviously looking at CES and looking at all these fun things throughout the, the travel holiday season. And I fell upon this company, this product, One Bag Tag. And, and Before we even get into the product, Eli, I want you to, to tell us a little bit about the background of your company because you have a, an extensive background in the travel industry and that will lead us really naturally into what
0: One Bag Tag is. Thank you so much for the introduction. I'm very excited to be here. Our core company, as you said, is uh, Regal Wings. We were established around 10 years ago. Regal Wings is a luxury provider of business and first-class airfare so we pretty much have negotiated contracts with every major airline for their international first and business class seats my team and i this is what we do all day is we talk to the passenger we think like the passenger we 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 work with the frequent traveler you know on a day-in, day-out basis.
1: So you know exactly what the travelers, obviously, what the needs of travelers are from, from all levels, really. I mean, both as a traveler and someone who obviously works with people who are traveling, whether it be for business or pleasure, you know, year-round.
0: Not just that, but we're, we're because we're so passionate, we take it to a whole new level. So we know exactly which airline has the right full flat bed um, on, on which angle the seat is, and which airport has the nice lounges, and, and a bunch of recommendations and tips on destination and routing, etc.
1: So definitely, I need to become a little bit more of your friend down the road. Which is we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get it, we'll get into that, uh, you know, on another That's conversation. Probably so, a good
0: idea. Yes, yeah. Yes, so, yes.
1: so so tell us about this product. So one bag tag. I mean, as the as the name kind of infers, this is uh, this product is intended to replace your traditional baggage tag that the airline gives you at the airport, but it has way more advantages than that. So tell us about exactly. the product.
0: The challenge is as follows. We're in the year 2017, you know, just now. Um, technology in the world is at a height and in travel it is too. So we have 35,000 feet high speed internet. At 35,000 feet, we have digital boarding passes. The other day, I checked in at JFK uh, and showed my Apple Watch, you know, scanned the boarding pass at TSA. So we're very advanced. Yes, when it comes to checking in the bag at the airports, we're literally 30 years behind.
1: I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that, especially <coughs> excuse me, especially coming off the holiday season. I mean, I dealt with this yesterday in LAX, you know, waiting for the baggage tag. I was able to check in online, but I still have to go see a human being at the counter. And I, it, think, I think it's time it, for that to end. So tell us, exactly, what exactly. does one bag love, tag do?
0: One bag tag is a permanent barcode uh, that consists of 10 digits. Now, the 10-digit format is universally understood across the entire world at every airport because they use a, the same consistent uh, baggage tracking system. The idea is instead of the passenger having to rely on the airline to get a tag number for them to generate the tag number trip by trip, the passenger will give their tag to the airline when they check in.
1: So this really, no, you don't need the receipt anymore because you know it's your bag, It's it's, it's yeah. allocated to you. But you've you've got a lot of features that you kind of baked into this that's way more, I guess, less conventional and where the gadget freak in me kind of, uh, you know, lights up, which is um, obviously tracking your bag because at the end of the day, you know, you want to find your bag, you want to know when it's coming down the belt. Um, Tell us about some of the features you built into this tag.
0: Exactly. So number one, tagging itself also means that there is an app behind it with a bag profile in the cloud. And then the actual electronics inside is a combination of several things. So we have an RFID chip, we have Bluetooth, we have GPS, and a weighing scale. So the RFID is basically going to give you messages across the airport with your bag status. So it's going to say, oh, your bag just passed security. Your bag was just loaded onto the aircraft. Your bag was just put onto conveyor number 21 in Terminal 4. The Bluetooth has actually a bunch of different features. The results of the weighing scale, because the tag itself is a weighing scale, the results will come through in the app in real time as it weighs it. Bluetooth is also going to have a really cool feature where as you stand on the conveyor, and there's a lot of people and a lot of bags, the bag tag will start beeping out really loudly (laughs) as it passes you on the conveyor belt. GPS wise, anywhere in the world, literally you can be in Hawaii and your bag is in Sydney, Australia. Um, You simply go into the app, hit the locate button or the track button. And within eight seconds, Maximum, we get back to an exact, pinpointed location where the bag is, anywhere in the world. I,
1: I love, I love the, the, you know, obviously the various elements and features. The GPS is kind of fun because when I when I lose a bag or a, the airline, sorry, loses a bag, I can now tell them where the bag is before they they can even tell me because their archaic system can can barely even keep up with where <laughs> my bag is. Exactly
2: something you touched on a little bit earlier that sort of struck me and something we talk about on the show this show and other shows is sometimes when it comes to technology the barrier to entry for the consumer is how easy the product is to use and you were talking about uh, that it has an app-based solution so talk a little bit about how easy it is for the consumer once they get the tag to actually use the use an app to set it up because if it's not easy to set up as we know
0: people don't use it so you made it really easy to set up. This is an area that we put a lot of focus and emphasis on uh, my CTO and his team um, very much that it should be super, super straightforward. You download the app from the major app store, whether it's iOS or Android. It links up via the Bluetooth. So now this specific device is linked up to a specific bag. You give it a, a, a name. You know, you can call it Red uh, Samsonite or Blue Toomey, whatever it is. So you know what the bag is. And now you have your bag profile per se. Extremely straightforward. Literally click, click, and it works.
1: Uh, you know, it's, this is this is obviously a great, you know, the challenge, you illustrated it perfectly. We have the challenge. We know it's there. The solution is an absolutely great one that has so many great added benefits. I cannot wait to actually see this product in action. What is the time frame that you think we before we're actually going to see this in consumer hands?
0: We are thinking that by Q2 of this year, this will already start being available to consumers.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Do you have a price point in mind in terms of is it going to require a subscription, or is this something that's going to be a one-time purchase?
0: It's not going to require a subscription. It will be a one-time purchase. It's probably going to be 70 to $85 mark. You know, being that luggage trackers, and here you get the permanent tag and the Bluetooth and the weighing scale. We feel that, you know, a one-time expense for... Efficient luggage handling is not a bad investment. No, definitely.
1: I think as a frequent traveler, I can definitely attest that price being a, a good sweet spot, you know, to get a couple of those, you know, depending on how many bags you need. Right. It'll be absolutely right. great. Eli Ostreicher, uh, the CEO of Real Wings, this is a very cool product. Please keep in touch with us. We want to obviously find out more and get some time to play with it and then get, you know, share it with all our listeners. I think this is a very cool product and we can't wait may to I, get our hands on I it. May
0: I give a quick um, shout out of the domain, please? Of course. Very simple. One bagtag.com and we A will share word. that with all
1: our listeners on social media and everything as well.
0: Amazing. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us
3: again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com.